Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of the Eye on the Tigers podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson, joined, as always, by Dave Matter from the Columbia Bureau, here to break down this week in Tigers sports. Football and basketball this week with the Missouri Tigers football team back after a bye week, headed into not the easiest game in the world, only a meeting with uh, number 6 Georgia in Athens between the hedges, and also get uh, our first impressions of the Missouri basketball team, which rolled to an easy win over an overmatched opponent in its season opener in Columbia. Probably not too much to make out of one game, but we'll uh, talk about what we saw. But first, Dave, we got to start with football. It was a game that going into this season we thought could be you know, have have all kinds of implications on the line for the Tigers. Uh, I boldly predicted the Tigers should be undefeated entering this game, and now they have three losses all to double-digit underdog opponents, and now they have a quarterback with a question mark over his health. Things have not played out exactly as the Tigers hoped. What's the latest on Kelly Bryant, and, and do you think he's going to be a go for Saturday against the Dogs? It's hard to say. You know, Barry Odom, he was more hopeful or optimistic on the SEC conference call Wednesday than he was when he met with us in Columbia on Tuesday. On Tuesday, he said if the game were today, he would not play. And Kelly himself seemed a little hesitant also. He basically said, if I can't be myself, if I'm not, uh, you know, can't do everything I've been doing this year, then, and I'm not confident in my leg, my hamstring, then I won't go. So um, I thought that was fairly um, not just newsworthy, but a, pretty candid on his part. You don't hear players kind of put it out there like that uh, so bluntly. But then on the conference call Wednesday, Barry said that he took the majority of the snaps with the first-team offense and was on track to play on Saturday, which was a, a real change in tone from what he said the day before. So Barry probably won't talk. Well, I guess he has his he has his uh, radio show tonight, Thursday night. I don't know how in depth he will get there, and I don't know how honest he's going to be. I mean, there's some incentive to be somewhat deceptive here. Um, not that they're going to throw out a big surprise if it's Taylor Powell at quarterback, but um, just to maybe at least keep Georgia guessing a little bit. But my guess is we won't really know until the first quarterback runs out there for Missouri's first series, and, and we see who it is. And he, I guess the part of the question that goes into this is what kind of version of Kelly Bryant are you going right. to get? Because if it's the quarterback who you know was 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 pulled from the game against uh, Kentucky, then it's then it's not exactly that maybe that much of a difference between what you're going to get from Kelly Bryant and and a healthy Taylor Powell, is it? I wouldn't think so. I mean he he looked like a guy that just couldn't function and. and um, we still don't know how much that knee is really bothering him. I mean, he's just not—he's not attempted any deep balls the last two games. Uh, tried to throw it in the rain at Kentucky, and nothing was working. You know, he after the hamstring, he had a nice long run on the play where he got hurt. Yep. Uh, but after that, you know, he wasn't any kind of running threat. So I think you're right. If he's not close to 100%, and he put himself at 75% on Tuesday for whatever that's worth. Um, you know, I don't know if, if there's that big of a drop-off between him and Powell. Now, the difference with Powell is he's never played a meaningful snap in a close game. He's come in to relieve Bryant, um, you know, in a game that was all but one against Troy and then a game that was all but over at Kentucky. But he's never been in a game where the, the score is still on the balance. So we don't know how exactly he would perform on that stage. I think if uh, Kelly Bryant can go, you obviously roll with him and hope that he finds a way – as you look at what has been his season to this point, Dave, 
how much of it has been impacted by by this health? I mean, you he had the knee the knee tweak at Troy, which I mean, we were at that game. We thought, oh my gosh, that could be his season, his 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 last game as a Tiger. The way how bad it looked, he comes back. And now this hamstring, uh, this is kind of the the risk that you take when you kind of pin your hopes on a graduate transfer QB. And unfortunately, Missouri's been able to to keep him healthy. Now, some of that is partly, I think, the play of the, the offensive line, which hasn't been as good and, and, and has, you know, bounced guys around and has not really found the consistency it's wanted. But but some of it's also some, some bad luck here. This season was probably always going to be a little bit about how you know where Kelly Bryant could take the Tigers, and if he's not healthy, then it's hard to imagine them pulling off a massive upset like Georgia. Yeah, it's been a, a disjointed season. Obviously, he played better at home. Um, he had the the game at, at Wyoming where he played, I thought, well enough to win, but he had you know a couple bad turnovers. Um, but then played really well in those in those five home games. You know, even the one where he uh, you know he came out, but he was fine before that. He played really well against Ole Miss and then everything just kind of fell off a cliff at, at Vanderbilt and then obviously at Kentucky so it's hard to really give him a fair grade you know because the injuries you got to factor those in um, it's a it's a calculated risk when you take a graduate transfer quarterback because you're you're putting so much on a guy to be the more or less the face of the program play the most important position on the field and he just walked in the door. So you really got to have a guy that's got all those intangibles, that has those leadership skills, somebody who can, who's tough and will fight for you when, when the chips are down. And I, I think that's what they thought they had in Kelly. And I'm not saying they don't have that now, but now they're really getting tested. He's really getting tested. This is a guy, remember, at Clemson, even when he was the backup to Deshaun Watson, never experienced back-to-back losses. Like they, they didn't lose games within a month of each other when he was at Clemson. So to have them in back-to-back weeks in games where Missouri was a decided favorite, this is all a very new experience for him. So um, we'll see how this final leg of the season goes for him. Uh, I think the guys still – I think they genuinely really like him, and I think he's been good for this program. They're exactly what they needed. I mean, the the reason they go down and get a guy is because they didn't have anybody in the bullpen they felt was good enough to go out there and be a starter. So – We'll we'll see how this unfolds here. The final the final month of the Kelly Bryant experience. This game, how they play at Georgia, is kind of going to, in some ways, define you know what what lens the second half, the second you know the finish of the of the season is viewed upon. I mean, when you have a bye week after two of the worst losses of of your season and a chance to go out and topple up a a Goliath. You've got a quarterback who hasn't, you know, dealt with this situation before with the back-to-back losses. You've got a team that at one point was celebrating, you know, moving into first place in the SEC East that has since been been humbled. And a coach who is showing some signs of, of, of frustration and stress and, and kind of a week to really either let that all marinate and and become something, either good or bad. What, what kind of response are you expecting to see out of this Missouri team against Georgia, win or loss, but just the what kind of play? I would imagine that this team is going to put its best effort on the field that we've seen this season against the best team. Well, you would hope so, and if they don't, that's pretty troubling. I mean, they, they can't just go into this game and say, hey, there's no, we have no shot at this one, so let's let's try to get it when we get home and play Florida and Tennessee and, and uh, you know close things out with Arkansas. You know, anything less than their best effort in this game is going to get them crushed because Georgia already had its mulligan. You know, when they lost at home to South Carolina, that was it. 
that was that was their only um, game that they can afford to lose if they want to be serious about getting back into the playoffs. And here they are at, at number six. They're the, they're the highest-ranked one-loss team. So they still have a way of getting into that Final Four, but they can't have any bumps along the way. So um, I, that's, that's what Georgia knows going into this game. They have zero margin for error, and – you know, they have more to lose at this point than I would think Missouri. So what are we going to get from Missouri? Are they going to come out and look like the team that, that at Vanderbilt that just thought, hey, we're going to show up and we'll be good enough? Um, are they going to be the team that I don't think came out that way at Kentucky, but once it started raining and once Kelly Bryant got hurt, you didn't see the same kind of effort that you saw during that five-game winning streak. So what are they going to do at, at Georgia, especially the first time some adversity hits? This is a it's a tough matchup because, for one, Georgia's defense is so good. I mean, they're they're the best in the SEC by just about every margin. But they don't create takeaways, so they just punish you for three downs and then make you punt. Well, that's kind of what Missouri's offense has been the last couple of weeks. Can they can they just break through and get some first downs? If they can do that, get some confidence, get a little momentum rolling, make this thing a game in the second half. I, I think that's got to be just kind of the, the first goal. Uh, and, and don't just get the doors blown off in the first quarter. That's going to come down to the defense playing soundly, but also the ability to run the ball. I think that's been something that, yeah. that has been kind of surprising with this team, and especially now that it's got some quarterback uncertainty, it really helps kind of smooth that out and buy time if you can run effectively. If you actually look at Georgia and Missouri's numbers offensively, they're really not that different. But Georgia runs the ball so much better and so much more often and so much more effectively that that's really where, where things start to, to stand out. What does Missouri have to do to be able to run the football? Because it's got the offensive line that brought three guys back, and, and it's got two or three running backs that can all you know go out and get you five, six yards a carry. Yeah, I mean, it, it always starts with the offensive line, but they just they have to keep themselves in good running situations. You can't have a penalty that puts you in second and – and 15 you can't you know have a allow penetration and all of a sudden it's you know second and 12 and and then you you got to throw on the next two downs pretty much um because there's just there's not enough confidence in this running game right now to get big chunk yardage if you can just get four or five on first down you know live to see an, an another uh, another set of downs without worrying about having to you know break open the big one all the time um just keep it moving. Keep the chains moving. And, you know, that's this is not an offense that's good enough on either side, you know, throwing or passing. You just rely on one. Derek Dooley made that point this week. He's like, this offense will not function unless it can do both pretty well. Um, and that's what it was, I think, you know, second half of last season. And, and really for the most part of last season, they were a very good balanced offense. And right now, I mean, that, that passing game has no shot unless they can – protect themselves with a sound running game and we just we just haven't seen it the last couple of weeks one thing that would help the run game is as you said the passing game and one thing that would help the passing game is is using that guy who is supposed to be one of the best tight ends in the country in in, in Alberto it's been a curious season for him Dave and and I hate to make too much out of one moment but I heard from a lot of fans who were put off by this and I don't blame them he scores the touchdown at Vanderbilt. He immediately gets caught for taunting against a defensive back who I think came up to about the letters on his uniform. 
And he goes to the sideline where he's promptly chewed out, and uh, the cameras catch him laughing. Now, I'm always careful to to read too much into what we see on the cameras, but it did it, it wasn't a great look for for Albert. And this season hasn't been a great look for him either. He has not been as effective as as anyone hoped. He I'm sure he's frustrated by the fact that he's not getting thrown to as much as he would hope. What is going on here? Part of it's on him, I'm sure, but part of it's on the you know the the offense for not being able to get him with the, the ball and, and get him in space and let him do some of the things that he's very good at. How do they effectively make him a, a better part of this offense and why hasn't it happened yet? Yeah, I, I asked Derek Dooley that exact question on Tuesday and he uh, he said that's a fair question, which which I, I agree. I, I thought it was. <laughs> he basically said, hey, this comes, down to, this comes down to three things. He's like, number one, it's on me. I have to design plays better to get him involved. So, um, I, I think that's that's smart. That's the that's the right answer. You always, as a coach, you point yourself first when you're the one drawing up these plays. He said, number two, Albert's got to get open, and and he didn't say catch the ball. We know we, we've had some drops. He's had some drops this year, but I thought it was interesting that he's got to get open. So I, I think that's a, a big part of it. Um, and number three, the quarterback's got to get him the ball. We just haven't seen Kelly try to attempt many passes his way. Uh, sometimes, you know, maybe it's just a matter of, hey, he, he really is waiting for him to really break open and have nobody around him. Well, that's not going to happen. I mean, defenses are going to cling to him. They're, they're going to pay attention to him, especially on third down, especially in the red zone. Sometimes you gotta you got to just throw one up to let your guy go make a play, and we haven't really seen that from, from Kelly Bryant so much. I, I think it's maybe given some people a, a newfound appreciation for Drew Locke who didn't have the best completion percentage. He still His completion percentage still wasn't as good as what Bryant's is right now. But he took some chances, and he let his guys go up and make you know really good catches. We saw Albert do that a lot. We, we saw Albert do it in the end zone a few times this year, even the one against Vanderbilt there that you mentioned. Um, but in the open field, not very often. So, you know, it, it starts with the play design, and then he's just got to do a better job of getting open. If he thinks he's an NFL tight end, and I, I assume he does. He's got to be able to beat coverage, and you know it's only going to get harder on Sundays next year or whenever he decides he's he's ready. So we've hit on most of the uh, most of the things that were kind of hanging out there over the bye week. I mean, let's just get down to business here. Do they have a chance of, of pulling off this upset? Is is this is this Georgia team one that can be beaten by a Missouri team that has looked? lost the past two weeks before it's by with the chance to put its head on straight i would have felt a lot better you know about four weeks ago when missouri has just won five in a row and and georgia just looked very vulnerable against south carolina but um not so much now i mean nothing missouri has done the last two weeks last two games you know gives me the indication that they're ready to pull off an upset um you know the, the one thing that maybe makes Georgia vulnerable here a little bit for once a schedule they just played a very grueling hard rivalry game against Florida and next week they have a grueling hard rivalry game against Auburn Missouri's right in the middle classic kind of trap game will they overlook them at all well you know they'll pay for it if they do you know in in the SEC uh, as Missouri has learned but I don't know how much you can what what does it take for Georgia to lose this game their C game their C plus game will that be bad enough to to lose to Missouri, I don't know. But another thing is their their offense is fairly methodical. They care about time of possession. They don't they don't have an LSU Alabama five wide throw it deep all the time type offense. Um, 
they will they will try to control the line of scrimmage with the best offensive line in the SEC and their running game and, and put Jake Fromm, who's a really good quarterback who doesn't have great numbers this year, but they'll put him in, in um, you know good situations to throw the ball. So they don't get as many possessions. They have to maximize those. In turn, Missouri's offense probably won't get as many possessions either. So if you if Missouri's defense can create some takeaways and make some big impact plays in the kicking game, which we haven't seen much of lately, then you you can give yourself a chance. But I don't I don't think you can just go toe to toe and say we're going to play Georgia's game and uh, we're going to try to beat them on the line of scrimmage and outmuscle them and um, you know go toe to toe with their style. That's that's not going to work for this Missouri team. It would take some luck. It would take some uh, some play that we haven't seen from this team lately. But Georgia is not Alabama. I mean, Georgia Georgia has slipped up this season. Georgia is not. Uh, Georgia is not Teflon, so I think there is. Uh, it depends on which Missouri team shows up because we've seen two different versions, and it's been the, it's been the bad one lately. So you'll you will have the coverage from Athens for the Post Dispatch on Saturday. Follow along at stltoday.com, and uh, and we'll kind of uh, quickly here turn the page to to Mizzou basketball, Dave. Uh, I know you're not going to put too much stock into a a roaring win over Incarnate Word, um, which I loved how you you pointed out in your story for the Post Dispatch that this was not the uh, the St. Louis uh, Incarnate Word, and I, and I especially especially loved the the line about uh, Xavier Pinson last season making the occasional pass to the tuba player, um, which was so spot on. I, I I couldn't help but chuckle. But I mean, this was a, a game where look everybody played. Conzo made a point to throw everybody out there and, and give fans a chance to see. You know all the all the players. Um, that's probably not realistic. It's not going to be how it works. You know when games become, you know, more important against better opponents. But I think you saw some things in that game that you like. One was Jeremiah Tillman staying on the floor because, as we know, at Jeremiah Tillman, it doesn't matter who he's playing against. He can foul out um, in a heartbeat if he if he's not uh, locked in and, and and handling that part of his game well. And the other thing that really surprised me is I went through the box scores this morning and looked. Unless I missed one, there was no game, zero, last season in which two Missouri players had five or more assists, and they had that in game one with with two guys who I think could be, you know, well, one we know is a really important part of this team, and, and one is a really kind of uh, intriguing piece. Drew Smith, who's the finally eligible transfer from Evansville, looked exactly as advertised, kind of savvy court leader, um, distributor, and also Xavier Pinson, who I think if he can eliminate those passes to tuba players can have a nice role on this team he can push it he can run up tempo he makes passes that no one else probably on either side of the court can make in most of the games the Tigers are going to play he has a vision um, and he's also seeming to be a little bit more mature what did you see from from Tillman from Pinson from Smith and and the team as a whole Tillman was, was good he had five blocks which is a career high for him that's something they really have gotten on him about um, you know because he's He's so foul prone, but it, and Conzo's message has been so simple to him: just jump straight up, and you'll get some blocks. And that's what he did last night. And he also he didn't he didn't dwell on a couple fouls that he, that he did get. And Jeremiah even said after the game, I I've stopped looking up at the scoreboard to see how many fouls I have because then it gets in his head. He he just, it's kind of like ignorance is bliss for him. <laughs> uh, so I, he had a, a nice game. That's what they need from him. It's it's the kind of matchup where he should have a game like that. They didn't have anybody near his size or strength. Um, you know they can they can wrestle with him down low. I, I was really impressed with Pinson. You know he came off the bench. He had three assists on three straight trips down the floor. Two just really routine post feeds inside to Tillman, uh, 
uh, for easy dunks, uh, and then a, a really pretty no look pass to Trey Jackson for a dunk. Um, you know, he is he's playing under control. He's poised. He I, th- I think the biggest difference I notice and fans don't care or appreciate this as much but I think it is reflective of who he's become when you talk to him after games he gives fairly long answers he looks in the eye he is a different kid and I don't even want to say kid anymore he's a he's a young man and he's he's grown up a lot last year he was kind of sheepish he was a little standoffish he didn't seem like he wanted to trust anybody so he, he barely even looked in the eye very different now and I it lends some credence to some of these conversations I've had with Conzo and some coaches when, or for some of the players, you ask them who's the leader on this team, Pinson's name is the one that comes up first. And hmm. it's kind of shocking, but, but it is. I think that's just kind of who he's become. And I thought more than anything, right before halftime, Missouri had possession. There was 14 seconds left. I mean, the game was essentially over at that point. Conzo called timeout to run one play. They cleared the floor uh, and, and made space for Pinson. He kind of just dribbled in took a few jab steps, put up a short little jumper in traffic and knocked it down right before the buzzer. And I asked him after the game, I'm like, would you have been able to make that play a year ago? He goes, maybe by the end of the year, but not at the beginning of the year. He's like, beginning of the year, I was going, I was going so fast and trying to do so much, I wouldn't have had the patience to do that. So I thought that was a really good development, um, the way that those two guys played together. Uh, you know you're always going to have one of them on the floor for the most part. And, um, and, and that was a a real positive. And another thing is too, I know when you talked to Conzo in the summer, he kind of mentioned that, that Florida state team that was really deep. I, I think that is kind of how he envisions this team. He made 25 substitutions in the first half. The game was nine minutes old and 11 guys had played. And I, I think he will do that fairly often because this is a team that maybe on a night where they're not hitting from three or maybe they're not playing, you know, great defense. He can maybe out-athlete some teams or just wear teams down with the depth and the versatility bringing guys in off the bench. And that's not something we've been able to say about Missouri in a, in a really long time. Now, you know, Maybe that doesn't work against Kentucky or Florida or Tennessee, and we're reading a little bit too much into this, but I think you can, you can beat some teams with, with that if, if everybody's on the same page and everyone's kind of accepting their role. They have some depth on this team where maybe there's not a bunch of all-SEC players, but – quality players that that could have you know maybe bigger roles on other teams it's going to be a challenge and and really fascinating to watch how he maintains that because it's very easy to do it against incarnate word it's tougher to do it against uh you know butler in kansas city and guys have to be trusted you have to to send some guys out there who haven't done it much and take a guy off the court who's performing so he did talk about that this offseason he wants to have that deeper bench he hasn't done that much in his career but this isn't also a coach who used to only play man defense and he's evolved a little bit there too so I think he is pushing himself to grow Um, sometimes it's easier than others but interesting to see you know what becomes of this and how deep that how deep that rotation really stays as as the games start to become tougher I think too we should mention Mario McKinney we we didn't know really what to think of him entering this season they have so many guards but my goodness he he made a, a nice first impression in his first game, got some minutes. Um, he can also jump out of the gym, which is, like, surprising. You know, I know folks saw him here in high school, but he's got some serious ups for a smaller guard. Where does he fit into this puzzle, and, and, and what are they kind of viewing him as as a, as a freshman on this team? What's what's his potential role, and, and also just how is he adapting to the college game? 
You know, he's in the mix at the at the two guard spot where he'll come in and relieve a Mark Smith or a Torrance Watson for a stretch. Yeah, they they won by forty points last night. Mark Smith didn't score a point. He he struggled a little bit with his shot, but he he's a guy. And I'm getting off track here, but this is, speaks to their depth. He led Missouri with eight rebounds, so his shot wasn't falling. So he went out there and and got eight boards. But for McKinney, he came in middle of the first half, and he's he's just an he's an energy athlete guy. You know, they're not going to ask him to run the point. They're not going to ask him to shoot a bunch of threes. Uh, he had a, a, a dunk in transition. Drew Smith threw a pass to him about the length of the court, and he went up and finished. Uh, the other, He had another dunk. People should look this up on Twitter. I know there's some footage of it from some of the TV stations. Parker, Braun, Parker Brown had a nice little spin move in the lane, missed it off the rim. Like, oh, well, that was a, a, a spoiled good opportunity there. And out of nowhere, McKinney comes and, and flushes it home. So he, is, uh, he really is a great athlete. They will find ways for, for that to become an asset. Um, you know, it, it always comes down to defense first if you're going to play for Conzo, and that can be a challenge as a freshman. So I don't think we're going to see him play, you know, more than 10 minutes a night. But um, that's, again, something they didn't have last year or, or the year before. They didn't, they didn't have a guy where you can just look on the bench and say, hey, we, we need, you know, we need a little spark here, somebody that's going to um, get things going, you know, maybe excite the fans a little bit, just bring some energy. And, and now they have that. So it's a it's a deep team, and we'll see who kind of holds on to one of those spots. The fascinating thing about this this non-conference slate is they've got some games coming up that are going to tell us pretty quick what this what this team is made of right now. I think this is a team that will get better as the season goes along if everybody stays healthy. And and I thought you've said it perfectly in your in your kind of season advance that this is really Jeremiah Tillman once again is kind of the tent pole of this team. If he is sitting down, then the the ceiling of the team is significantly lower. If he's tall and on the court playing you know playing well then the the, the talent of this team the potential for it it raises a lot and the, the players know this but they're gonna have some games here pretty soon this is not a sleepwalk non-conference that then throws them into the conference season they've got some big games butler in kc um you know they, they've got some 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 big games coming up soon and then they're thrown right into the blender to start the conference season and then it just continues there's not there's not a, a an easy patch of this schedule that isn't quickly you know salted up by some pretty tough opponents yeah i think the good thing about the non-conference schedule is you know they don't they don't play a duke or a you know a north carolina or a, a blue blood but they play some good name opponents that are going to help with the rpi or whatever we're calling the measure now because they're most of them are on the road but good tests away from home against decent teams. Now, next Tuesday is probably their toughest non-conference game. They go to Xavier, and um, they're 19th right now in the nation. I, I think it's the only loss, projected loss, in non-conference play that, that Ken Palm has right now for Missouri. Um, but even this Friday, they played Northern Kentucky, and that's people will say, well, who's that? Well, they were in the tournament last year. They played Texas Tech in the first round. They won 26 games a year ago. They lost their head coach to Cincinnati, so they have a new head coach. But they're, they're much better than the two teams Missouri has played already. Um, then, obviously, you get Illinois. You're going to get either Oklahoma or Stanford in the, the second game in Kansas City. Uh, they play a road game at Temple. Um, you know, that's a not a bad American Athletic Conference team. It's on the road in Philly. So they are going to have some decent tests. I think we'll know more about this team by January. But they don't risk – you know, some automatic losses where you're like, well, they're they're not going to be able to compete with that team. Uh, so I, I think it was fairly smart scheduling. The, the downside is if you're a season ticket holder, there's not much to get excited about about the home schedule until SEC season rolls around. 
Yeah, and that's something that that I think uh, that I'd like to see that change because uh, you got to yeah. take care of the, of the of the ticket buyers and your home fans. So hopefully that that improves. I think that's a, a fair bone to pick with uh, with this season's schedule for sure. Dave, if you look around, kind of the early 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 feedback from the SEC, it seems like that thirteenth ranking might might be uh, a little uh, a little low for the Tigers based off some of the results that happened in uh, game games one. Yeah, Alabama lost their first game under their new coach <laughs> Nate Oates. They lost to to Penn. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't you don't like reading too much into these early season games, but you because know, Missouri could come out flat. Absolutely, they could, they could lose a game yep. to Northern Kentucky or um, you know Butler for sure. Um, but yeah, I I think that was um, I, I didn't quite agree with the 13th ranking. But I understood where people came from when they made that decision. They they just look at the roster and say, oh, they lost. A Geist guy, he was pretty good. And who they got coming back? Well, not much. They didn't sign a five-star. Heck, they only won 15 games. These other teams, you know, Alabama and Arkansas have new coaches. They're going to be a little more exciting. So I, I, I can kind of understand, you know, where that came from. But I do think, you know, when when, when the coaches sit down and do scouting reports after watching Missouri, uh, I, I think they're going to have a much higher opinion of, of Conzo's team. Yeah, agreed. And, uh, and we'll see. It'll be fun to fun to see which one of these guys kind of carve out roles on on this team. Missouri women's start the season with a a nail biter of a win, probably a little not as not as uh, as uh, as dominant as they hope to uh, to be in game one. But they get the win, the overtime win in game one, and we'll talk more about the. Uh, the women's team in, in future podcasts as well and and hopefully maybe we can get i think we had sophie on um last season maybe we can get asia blackwell on uh, this year to continue the tradition on the women's side until then we'll have all of the mizzou news covered here on the i'm the tigers podcast and dave will have you covered from columbia at stltoday.com a reminder for those who are looking to make the podcast part of their regular rotation easy to find go to stltoday.com slash podcasts even easier if you're in iTunes or Google Play Music, whatever you use. Just punch in I on the Tigers. Go ahead, subscribe, leave us a review, let us know how we're doing. Thank you for, for taking the time to do that if you already have. For Dave Matter, I'm Ben Fredrickson. We will talk to you next week.